Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to James, the, uh, the, the first chapter. I, I'm going to make this the shortened version tonight. I'm going to do my best. I'm an Anderson. I'm going to do my best. I heard that, Doug. Clear your throat there. All right. <laughs> James chapter 1. This scripture on, Monday, on Wednesday morning, I, I got up and the Lord directed me to this passage. And, and, um, and I read it Wednesday night at the end of our service to our, to our group, to the youth next door. And the and, um, pastor asked me to minister tonight. And this, this has just been on my heart now for several days. And I um, just want to look at this uh, in James chapter 1. And actually, Pastor read this scripture this morning, these passages this morning. But in James 1, 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The word patience there is just uh, uh, endurance and perseverance. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you, that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. You know, like I said, Wednesday morning when I got up, the Lord directed me to this scripture and uh, Pastor read it this morning. And it's just been something that, that I've been going back to the last several days. Uh, but we need to make sure that I, I want to encourage all of us in this area that we need to count it all joy when we fall into various trials. I think the, the, new, the King James says temptations is what the King James says. And I looked up that word uh, uh, that's translated temptation or trials, and it's, um, I won't attempt to say the Greek word of it, because I, I know better than to even try, but um, it's a putting to proof. It's putting to proof. By experiment of good, experience of evil, by, by implication it means Adversity. Now this was, how many believe that this scripture as well was written by, was inspired by the, by the Spirit of God? Uh, do you believe that? The Bible says all scripture, and if, if any of it's not, if you believe a part of it's not, then you can't trust any of it. Come on now. If, you have the, if you're of the opinion that something doesn't apply to you or that's not written, well then, then you just got to throw the whole thing out because at that point, what do you know if any of it applies to you? I believe all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable, Right? And so this scripture was written to us, and, and it's, it's, it's profitable, it's necessary. But he, he said, my brethren, speaking to believers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, temptations. You can say it this way, tests. It's not, now, the word temptation obviously doesn't mean you know, tempt, temptation to do sin or something, but it's, a, it's adversity. Count it all joy when you fall into these things. I don't know about you, but, but that's not always been my pattern in the past. I've not always counted things joyful. I, I've, I've had a habit in times past, instead of counting it joy, I count it something else, and, and instead of embracing it, instead of going on to do what it says, knowing that uh, let patience, verse 4, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and mature and complete, lacking nothing, instead of, instead of letting these things ha do its work in my life, I've resisted those things. Now, resisting the enemy is good, but, but we ought to uh, hear what I'm saying. We don't look for things to go wrong in our life, but when tests, trials, temptations come our way, we should count it all joy. Because it goes on to say, knowing that the testing, the trying of your faith produces something. The testing of your faith produces something. Anything worth having, anything that's going to be fruitful in our lives has got to be tested. 
We flew overseas. We got an airplane to flew to fly over there. We're in the air when we left. Uh, 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 we left um, Orlando. We flew to Amsterdam on the way there, then to Paris, and on to Johannesburg. That first leg from from uh, Orlando to Amsterdam was what nine hours, and then from it was just a short flight to Paris. But from Paris to Johannesburg, you're t- you're looking at a, what an eleven hour flight. That's a long time to be in the air. I am grateful that when I got on either one of those flights or any flight, but those flights specifically flying over the ocean, now I'll be honest with you, the idea of flying over the ocean for nine hours isn't necessarily just something that just comforts me, right? Because when I go to the beach, I look out over the ocean, I see a very small section of ocean. It's easy to lose something in just what I see. Nine hours at 450 miles an hour, you're covering a lot of ocean and a whole lot of nothing, right? And so as you're flying, that's why I like us flying that way versus going straight from Orlando to Johannesburg because that's even worse. You're over the ocean a long, long, long time. I like going there knowing that at least there's land at some point coming up sooner than later. But I'm glad when I got on those flights that that wasn't the first time that plane, those wings, had ever been tested. I'm grateful. Now, now if it's a new, even if it's a new plane, even if that's the first time that that plane has taken a flight, that thing has been tested before. It has been thoroughly tested. It has been, what is, when I say tested, what do I mean? They put it under stress. They apply pressure to it. They put it under stressed, stress. They, they check how the wing is each individual one. I don't know. How, I, don't know if, I don't work for Boeing. Never work for Boeing. But, but I know an airplane design, they send them through wind tunnels. They check how airflow. They check how all of the different uh, structures, every bolt, every rivet, everything on it, how it affects how, affects how the wind flows. And they check these things. And they do annual maintenance. They are continually testing, putting pressure on these things. Why? Because if you're going to ride in it, you need to know it's been tested and found worthy to carry somebody. Our faith must be tested. It must be tested. We, these things, we can't run from them. We ought to count them all joy because it's an opportunity to have to see what type or what manner of faith we have. Pastor read the scripture this morning in, in Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. If our faith is not being tested, how do we know the faith we claim to have is actually pleasing God? For me, forget everything else. Forget all the other stuff. If, if the faith that I profess to have isn't plea, if it's not, if it's not worthy, if it doesn't, if it can't stand up to a little bit of testing, how do I know that it's pleasing God? I've got no assurance to know that it's pleasing God. To say you, to say you have faith, doesn't mean anything. What is your faith doing? Can it stand the test? It says count it all joy when you find you fall into various trials or temptations, tests. Knowing, knowing that the, the, the testing of your faith produces endurance, perseverance, it produces something. Like I said, this is something the last several days the Lord keeps bringing me back to. I believe many of us have been and are in the middle of a testing phase of our life. And the reality is if you're growing in your walk, if you're moving forward, you're always going to be experiencing testing to one degree or another. Listen, if you're running to avoid the test, that means you don't want to grow. If you're avoiding the test, if you're trying to get out of it, if you're trying to do whatever's easy, you are saying no to growth. You're saying the testing of your faith produces patience. It also uh, puts you in a position for promotion, right? 
And if we resist these things, we're actually resisting the very hand of God in our life in what he wants to do in our life. We need to embrace these things. And we can do it with joy because we know no weapon formed against us shall prosper, right? We know these things, but still means you got your faith needs to be tested. And I know there's some things that the enemy ha- has, has, I say the enemy. Well, go, go with me over to uh, Luke chapter 4. How many know that not all testing is the enemy? <laughs> what? No, yeah, not all testing is the enemy. This is in Luke, the fourth chapter, Luke chapter four. This is the, the, uh, the account. I, I hate saying the word story because some people think it's just some fairy tale, but it's the account of when Satan tempted Jesus after he was baptized. You have in uh, uh, John cha- or Luke chapter three, rather. Now, this is also recorded in, in Matthew, but I like this particular one uh, for various reasons, but uh, it's all good. But in the, in the third chapter of, of John, uh, in the 21st verse, all the people were baptized. It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We've got the place here where Jesus is, is the time has come for him to enter into his ministry. The time has come for him to actually start delivering on the goods, the reason why he was sent here. Now, I know Jesus did some other things before. We don't know what all he did before this, these, these prior 30 years, but I'm sure he did a lot of good stuff. But, and, but as far as ministry-wise, this is when his ministry started. And so the Holy Spirit came and descended upon him, and so you'd think, man, woo, the Holy Spirit's come upon him. It's just going to be smooth sailing. I, I mean, I've got the Holy Ghost that's come on me, woo. Have you ever been through something where God moves in your life and you think that it's just going to be this, just you're going to walk around the glory cloud for the next seven weeks, you know, and yet something else seems to be very different right after that. Anybody ever been there before? No? If you can't, if you can't, if you can't relate, I'm here to tell you, you you, you may not be growing, right? You may not be moving forward. If it, listen, if it happened to Jesus, it's likely going to happen to us. If Jesus couldn't get away from this, you probably can't get away from it either. Verse 4, get over to chapter 4, rather, verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Notice it didn't go on to say that Jesus then decided to go into the city. Or Jesus decided to do something else. He was led by the Spirit. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same one that just descended upon him, led him into a time of testing. Now, this may seem... You may, you may sometimes think we read over stuff and don't even think about it. The Spirit led him. That doesn't mean Jesus had to go. Has he ever led you and you didn't go? He's led me before places into things and I didn't do it. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in all ways just like we were, right? He, he, he faced everything we faced. And so if we've ever faced a time where God was leading us into something uncomfortable maybe or into some situation and, and we, we decided, well, I'd rather go somewhere else. You're leading me to Popeye's. I'd rather go to, you know, to KFC. I'd rather do this or whatever it is, you know. I, I know you're leading this direction, but I'd rather do some. No one would ever rather go to KFC, right? You'd always rather go to Popeye's. But it says here that the Spirit led him into the wilderness. Jesus went with the Spirit. He didn't resist it. What, this is, the, uh, this is our, our, our elder brother, a, a, an example of counting it all joy. Not, not running from it, but submitting to the promptings of the Spirit, submitting to the, to the leading of the Holy Spirit into a position where his faith could be tested. Why did Jesus' faith have to be tested? Because there was much for him to do. Listen, if he couldn't pass this test, he would not have passed the test in the garden. 
The reality is if he didn't pass this test, he wouldn't even get past the test of his disciples. Right? If he didn't pass this test, he'd have never gotten past the test of his own family. You read through the life of Jesus, there were many times he was tested. There were trials. There was that word, remember, in, in James was adversity. Adversity. There are things that God wants to do in our lives. There are things that God has wanted to do in all of our lives, but he's not been able to do it. Things that belong to us, things that Jesus has ordained, that the Spirit of God has ordained that we understand, we know, we walk in, we experience, but we have fallen short of realizing those things because we've not been willing to pass the time of testing. Are you listening to me? We've not been willing to pass the time of testing. We have... You, we, we've resisted it instead of giving, counting it all joy. God knows the things you need. God knows the desires of your heart. Do you realize God knows, he knows the desires of your heart. He put them there. Listen, the things that, 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 that you are wanting, desiring, the things that you don't even talk about to people, you, we all know what I'm talking about, right? The, the, the things that, that, that you long for, God knows what those things are. Now, we know sometimes those things can get twisted because of, of things that have happened, but I'm talking about things that are, that are pure and right and holy in our life, right? And that, and that, we, that, that there, is a, there, is, it, it, it is, it is a, there is a drawing in certain areas. There are things that God has for us, but many times we fail to enter into those things because we're not willing to go through, we're not willing to pass the test. We're not willing to go through a time of trial, a temptation, some adversity, Doing it your way is not taking the test. I'm trying to help y'all. Some of you, I'm trying to help you. Not doing it your way or not wanting to talk about it or wanting to only talk to those who agree with you or whatever it is, you know what I'm talking about, to surround yourself with the amen choir that's amen in the wrong direction, that is not wanting to take the test. Listen, misery loves company. You've heard the saying, and there will always be people who want to encourage you to not do and to avoid the, te the test, to, go, to avoid the adversity. If you avoid the adversity, you're not worthy to carry anything. And what God has for you, it's a payload for your life. And if you're going to carry it, you've got to prove your wings can fly. You've got to prove that your faith will produce. You've got to prove that your faith will carry something. <sighs> Some things in our life, other people are attached to it. I'm trying to be as delicate as I can. Sometimes other people are attached to things in our life. You know, my calling, my destiny is attached to yours. I can't do this without you. You do know that, right? You can't do it with the person next to, without the person next to you. We can't do this without each other. We can't, we can't do it without God. We can't do it. And God can't do it without us. Listen, if God can't do what needs to be done without you and me, what makes you think we can do what we need to do, what's necessary without one another? We're members of one another. We are, we are joined together, right? We are members of the same body. If you're in Christ, you're part of the same body. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you, or vice versa. Nobody can do that. We need each other. Many times the things God has for us, they're tied to somebody else. And God wants to, it could, 
There are relationships that God wants to move you into in situations God wants to, God wants to put you into, but because you're not willing to pass and, and to stand a test and to prove yourself faithful in the face of some adversity, he's not gonna do that to the other person to position you the way you need to be positioned because you won't take the test. Well, I want this all to work. I want to see, I want to see all this. I want to see how this is going to happen before I do such and such. No, you need to obey God. When you don't know what to do, you make the decision, I'm going to do it. When, you, when, you, when, I, when I say you don't know what to do, meaning in the natural you don't know what to do, you don't see how this will work out. You don't see how this will work out. You know, there are still some things that the Lord has talked to me about, about, to me about my life that I still don't understand how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to work. And for, for as long as I can remember, there have been things that I've not understood. How's that going to work? And there have been every step of the way, there has been things that seemingly were in the very face of what was on my heart to do. The things that, that were, on, I'm not saying just simple desires. You know, I was a teenager. I, we had a bet with another friend of mine. We, we took a bet. Who's going to be the first one to be, a, to be a famous rock star? Neither one of us are famous rock stars, you know. We both played music, and we're like, well, I'm going to be famous for you. And that's just something silly, right? But the real, the real things in my heart that make me tick, right, there, there have been times that, that it seems like if I'm going to do this, I, I'm never going to get there. This isn't the fact. This, is, this isn't even going in the right direction. I, this is going the wrong direction entirely, this thing that's come against me. When Amy and I left Tulsa, when we left uh, a Bible school, we left Ramah, we had opportunities to do certain things. And the Lord told us to go to Jacksonville and to turn down certain things. And we went through a period of three years that there was, a, there was, there was quite a bit of, of adversity while we were there. There was, a, there was, there was a quite a bit of adversity while we were there. And a lot of times, I know we would talk about it and like, what in the world is going on? Discussions would come up. What, what is this? Like, you know, I know the Lord told us to go here, but this is crazy. This, this is not, anybody ever been there? Y'all looking all holy, right? Anybody ever been there? Right? Like, I, you know, I know, I know, I know, Lord, you told me to do this. And when you told me, I thought, what you talking about, Willis? But, but, I, but I, I did it anyway, you know, different strokes. Like, what are you talking about? But I, but I, but I did it anyway, and, yet, and I got here, and it's, it's worse than I thought it was going to be. When you told me to do it, I thought, have you, uh, uh, hello? Are you sure about that? And now that I got here, it's, it's worse than what I was concerned it might be. But I'll tell you this, we made the decision we weren't going to do anything else until the Lord told us to do it. And we came to the place that said, we're going to be here until he, if he, if this is where he leaves us forever on this earth, we're going to stay until he tells us to go. We're going to do what he tells us to do no matter, no matter what it is, we're going to do it because I know God can make up time quickly if I'll simply obey. See, my trust wasn't in anybody else. My, tr my trust wasn't even in Amy. Her trust was not in me. Our trust had to be in the Lord. But we, were will we, were we made the determination, no matter what, we're not going to budge. No matter how tough it gets, we're not going to budge. We're going to pass this test. Now, we didn't say use that word, but that was the stance we took. We all face those things. We all face those things. Let's go on and read this. This is, this is interesting. It says that being led by the Holy Spirit uh, or being full of the Holy Ghost, returned to Jordan, Jesus being, being full, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted, 40 days tempted by the devil. Notice now this was tempted by the devil, not one of his henchmen, but the devil himself, right? Horns and all, right? He, he doesn't have horns, but, but uh, being tempted 40 days of the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. 
And when they ended, he afterward, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command the stone that be made into bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up unto a high mountain, showed him all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the devil said unto him, All this power I give thee, and the glory of them, uh, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomever I will, I give it. Now, people say, Well, he couldn't have done that. Well, he obviously he could have. Because Jesus would have said, oh, you're a liar, you can't do that. He didn't do that. Jesus didn't challenge his ability to do those things. How many know Adam and Eve had given authority to the enemy, right? Notice verse 7. If, if thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. I must have, I must have, yeah, I must have copied this out of, the, out of the King James. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, set him up on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou doubtst thou dash thy foot on a stone. Thank God for the new King James. And when answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when, he, when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from, the, from him for a season. Now, one thing I want to notice, verse 14 goes on to say, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and went there, and, and there, went, on, there went out a fame of him through all the region around, the, around about him. The Spirit came upon him, descended upon him, but it wasn't until he was tested that power came upon him. The Spirit came upon him, descended upon him, but the power resting in his life, activated in his life to move forward, didn't happen until he went through the testing, the season of testing. Well, if, 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 if God will just supply what I need, I can get through this thing. Maybe you just need to start approaching that thing first and do what he's told you to do, right? And the thing you think you need that you're waiting on to get you through the test that's facing you, maybe just do what you know to do. If you'll do that, when you get done, what you need will be there. Does that make sense? I'm sure Jesus at any moment could have said, all right, Lord, I'm whoo. The Holy Spirit descended on me like a dove. I'm waiting for the power to get through. He didn't do that. He, he, he simply faced the temptation. He faced the trial. But three areas here that the enemy tempted him. This, this afternoon, the Lord said there's three areas the enemy tempted him in. So he said, if, this, if thou be the Son of God, verse 3, command the stone that it may be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, uh, said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The first area the enemy is always going to tempt us in is in the area of our flesh and our will. Our flesh. Testing, trials, temptations, opposition, adver advers adversity, will always go against your flesh. It'll always go against your flesh. Just because something is hard on the flesh doesn't mean it's wrong or doesn't mean that, it's, that, 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 that you need to run from it. We, we live in a culture where we love comfort. Do we not? We love comfort. When the AC's not working right and it's not keep, quite keeping the temperature at the set 74 degrees, if it's moving more, like, you know, I, I, we keep our house at, who keep, I don't know anybody else, we keep our house at 74 during the winter or the summer, and it is blissfully wonderful. And that was a compromise because we got married, we kept like 72, and then Amy had me bump it up to 70. She, she won. She got two degrees out of me. But anyway, we keep it at 74, you know, nice and cool. And out. Some of y'all keep your house at 80. 
I feel like I'm going to die when I go to your house. But keep it. That's, it's like I want to preach a message on hell, you know, when I walk in. But 74. Listen, if my AC, I can tell, I can tell. I'm, I am so used to that feeling and the comfort that 74 provides. I can tell you if it's at 76. I can tell you. Something's wrong. I'm Amy, did you, did you touch the AC? I'm not even looking at it yet. Did somebody touch the AC? Did the power go off? It's always Clay Electric. Did the power go off? Because, you know, when the power goes off and comes back on, the AC gets reset. And so if the power went off, it got reset to 85. And we're not having that in the name of Jesus. We will not have 85. I can tell because it is no longer 74. And I'll go and look at it, and it's 76. Sometimes I can go look at it at 75, and I go, oh, Curse you, devil. We're not going there. You know, like, we're not, not going there. We're so used to comfort. We're so used to responding. To, and thank God for air conditioners. Thank God for all of those things. But we, ha- we have a tendency to give into the flesh way too much. The enemy is going, God will, God, I said the enemy, the enemy will test you, but God will lead you into times where your flesh is going to be challenged. Your flesh, there's going to be adversity on your flesh. Put certain things off till some other time. Do what I'm telling you to do right now. But no, I want it right now. I want, I, want, I want it right now. I want it right now. I want to do this right now. That's not comfortable. That's not easy. Whatever it is, he will always come and test your flesh. Remember in the Garden of Eden, what are the three things? That, what, are, what are the things that Eve said? Remember one of the things she said, she saw that it was good for food. Pleasurable to the eye. What does that say? It was, it, her flesh had been was was she no her flesh was 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 liking what she was seeing she had been given a command don't touch it but the enemy was testing her flesh right anybody have your flesh tested <laughs> i know you have i have my flesh tested every night at 10 o'clock that bowl of ice cream calls me i have my te- my flesh tested He wanted to say in the in the in the fifth the sixth verse or fifth verse, and the devil taken up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. The devil said to him, All this power I will give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me to whomever I will give it. That seemed like a little bit of pride. I'm gonna give you something, I'm gonna put you in a position. Sometimes we're resistant because we don't we want positions. We want to be recognized. Other times we don't want to lose what we're being recognized for. These are the things that the enemy will test you in. See, when things come away, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look, stop for a second. What is this? What's going on? What's going on right now? He went on to say, if thou wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Pride and worship go hand in hand. Pride and worship go hand in hand. Denying yourself and following him. Denying yourself and following him. Denying yourself and following him is necessary for God to be able to move you into the next thing for your life. It's necessary. Yeah, but I like the way this person makes me feel. Denying yourself. I like that. I like what this this opportunities this gives me. Denying yourself. What is what is the spirit of God telling you to do? I mean, it always goes back to this. Always goes back to this. 
always goes back to this. Always goes back to this. Always goes back to this. What did Joshua say? Don't let this word depart from you. Meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written therein. It goes back to this. Well, that my situation's not in there. Well, that's why you got the Holy Ghost. And I know, but no one's ever been there before. I know I've been there. I'll tell him myself. If I pray about it, I know what he's going to tell me to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because you already have the witness on the inside what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to be doing. But if I don't pray about it, I'll just stick my head in the sand like Froghorn Leghorn and ain't nobody knows what's going on, right? Right? Some of you are like, who's Froghorn Leghorn? It was his son, I think, it was that stuck his head in the dirt. Yeah. Huh? Foghorn? What did I say, Froghorn? Uh. That was his green cousin. Anyway, all right. Of course, Jesus had an answer, get thee behind Satan, for it is written. Notice he's quoting the word, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him, and him only shall thou serve. He brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if thou art the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. Notice the enemies, the devil's quoting scripture, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in, thy, and, in, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash their foot against a stone. What's he doing? He always also wants to challenge the authority of God's word and, the, and whether he can be trusted or not. Listen, I, I know this is what I need to do. I know, I know this is what the Bible says. I, I've, I've, I've been at Impact Family Church a long time. I know this is what the scripture says, but I, I just don't know if it's going to work for me. I mean, how do I know, how do I know it's going to work for me? That's the enemy talking to you. That's the enemy talking to you. You're facing a test. You're facing a situation. You're facing a trial. That's the enemy talking. That's not God talking to you. God would never try to talk you out of doing what he said to do. He will never talk you out of doing what he said to do because he knows if you'll do it, if, you'll, if you're willing and obedient. Anybody know what the scripture goes on to say? If you're willing and obedient, you might, it might work out all right. No, he said you will eat the good of the land. So if you just listen, if, you, if you'll just listen, if you'll simply obey, I'll make you rich in every area. That, that, that's what not just about finances. Make you well supplied in every area. The enemy wants to, wants to draw us into a, into a thing where we, we're, we're questioning God's word. If I give, what's going to happen? Well, the Bible says give and we give it back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Well, if I cut this off, this person, this situation off, I know this, I know this what I need to do. What's going to happen? God will, God will supply you who else you need. He'll never leave you or forsake you. I had a bunch of other scriptures, but I've talked for a while. Testing produces in our life. Without a test, there is no promotion. First Samuel 17, you can write it down, go back and read it, was the account of David. Remember when, when Goliath showed up? Was that, was, that for, was that David's first rodeo? No. He'd already beat the lion and the bear. He didn't run from the lion. Now, if a lion or bear shows up in your neighborhood, I'm not saying don't run from it, but, <laughs> you know. We may, we, we may run to your funeral, but, but in this case, he, 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 he didn't run from the situation. And in fact, he ran to Goliath. How, why was he able to run to Goliath? Because he, he didn't run from the lion or the bear. And the enemy, and not the enemy, what was it, and later being, it began, it became his enemy, Saul, right? Tried to convince him to go into the battle wearing something else that he, was, he hadn't tested. The 17th verse of that chapter, he said, I, he said, I can't do this. It's not been tested. I've not tested your armor. 
I know it's good. It looks good. Just just because it looks good on somebody else doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Just because it just because it looks good on well somebody else did it this way and their life is great. Is it? Is it? Can I say this? There is another testing that's coming, and it's the day we stand before the Lord, and all of our works will be tested. That test, that in that day, it'll, all of that stuff will speak for itself. The things that you think other people have gotten away with or done, and they did it this way and it worked out all right, if it wasn't done in accordance to God's word, it won't stand that test and that day, and it won't produce in their life what God intended it to produce. Don't fall for that trap. When adversity comes, don't fall for that trap. Do right in business. Do right in relationships. Do right in these things. Do right in these areas. Trust God. He will see you through. Trust God in your finances. I'm going to read two, a couple of scriptures to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now that scripture is in context because in Romans chapter 8, the 18th verse, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Paul was writing here in, in context of some things that were not comfortable. Suffering is never easy. There is suffering involved in tests, trials, temptation, adversity. It is never easy. It is never comfortable. But he said, listen, I consider the sufferings of this present time not to be worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And why would he not, uh, why was he willing to, to keep looking ahead what's going to happen? Because he knows, he knew that if God be for me, who can be against me? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the, the uh, 13th verse, no temptation. And that word temptation is the exact same Greek word in James chapter, in the first chapter, James chapter 1. The same one. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. Oh, but this is different, Pastor Gary. You don't know. It is not different. It's common. We've all been there. Not, I'm not diminishing what somebody's going through, but we've all, people have been there, right? But God, who is faithful, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what, beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, the context in this scripture, he was just talking about the children. Go, go look at it, and this will be our last one we'll look at. I, a couple things I'm going to mention after this, but I promise I'll be quiet soon. But in, in the 10th chapter, I want you to look at this. So we just read in verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except which is common to man, right? God is faithful. He'll not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, he'll also make the way of escape. Listen, you know, rejoicing in a temptation is not rejoicing in failure. It's rejoicing in the fact that God is faithful and he's going to come through, right? It's another opportunity to see God prove himself strong in your life, right, and to, and to pass that test, but, but it's important we, we face the things we're up against when we face them. That we, what I mean is that we address these things when they show up. We don't run from them. He's talking in context here about the Old Testament as our example. Talking about the children of Israel. Verse 6, that these became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Talking about the children of Israel. 
Time and time again, there was opportunity, adversity presented itself. God led them into situations of adversity. Surely there was a better route to take than going by the Red Sea. I'm sure there had to have been a better route. God still led them by this, by the, to the Red Sea. He's trying to, he didn't lead them there to leave them. He didn't leave them. He led them there to teach them. So there's a lesson to learn. There is grace to be imparted every time you go through something. If you don't go, you can't get that. He's trying, to show them, he's trying to show them something. He led them in areas where there was no water. Trust me. He led them in places where he was trying. Different. He led them into situations that were not easy. He was looking for them to say, to learn something, to pass this. Why? Because he had a promised land for them. And he knew there's going to be giants in it. Well, well, why didn't God just get rid of the giants? He gave you the means to get rid of the giants. He's, we're in partnership with him. He's not just going to do it all for us. But he'll give you everything you need to do it. Right? Verse 11 says, All these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages shall come. Notice those folks didn't enter into what God had for them. All in context, well, he won't allow any temptation to come on you that you can't handle. All in, all, yes, he'll never lead you, lead you into something that you can't handle. He didn't lead the children of Israel into something they couldn't handle, yet they still died in the wilderness because they weren't willing to face adversity. Their tests and trials, when they came up, they ran from them. And when this later one came, they were well able to do it. They just hadn't proved, they, hadn't, they never proved their faith to be worthy to handle it. The ten came back with an evil report. The King James calls it an evil report, a bad report, an evil report. They believed it instead of report, believing the report of the Lord. Start where you are. I tell, you there, I tell you, some of you, if you'll do this, great victories lie ahead of you. If you'll just simply start facing the things that you need to de deal with what you need to deal with. Put your confidence in God when you just trust God and do what he told you to do. Practical application, listen, rec recognize your, when, a see, when a season, a test, trial, temptation, recognize it for what it is. It's something to see God show himself strong in your life. Don't say as woe as me that praise God, this is an opportunity for God to show up recognize what, what's happening, recognize it. Go through some things. What's going on here? Where is this coming from? God may very, very well be setting you up. Don't run from it. Rejoice in the thing. Rejoice in the situation. Every thought to the contrary, gotta get rid of it. Every thought to the contrary, gotta get rid of it. What's God said? I'm gonna do this. Ask God for wisdom. James chapter one goes on to say, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally without reproach, Right? But let him ask in faith, right? Ask God for wisdom on how to handle these things, what to do next. Got to talk right. Make sure the right things are coming out of your mouth. Speak what God has said about your situation. Amen? Lord, I trust you. You said to do this, I trust you. you'll meet my needs. You're going to bring this one, you're going to bring that one, you're going to bring this situation, you're going to take care of it. I'm going to trust you, but I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to move from what you told me to do. Amen? Praise God. There are things the Lord wants to do in our life. There's things the Lord wants to do in our life. Amen? Things he has destined for us. Let's not run from opposition. Let's show ourselves worthy. Let's, let's make sure our faith is up to the task. Test it where you are. Let, let these things work in your life. Amen? Does that make sense to everybody? It's important. It's vital. It's important. Well, praise God. I've talked long enough, it's 8.35.
Pastor, you have your Bible open and something you wanted to say? He's always got something he wants to say. Hallelujah. Huh? Oh, now he's, he's, he's fidgeting in his seat. <laughs> buckle up, y'all. Buckle up. <laughs> and I just want to apologize now for anything wrong I said. So in the name of Jesus, all right. I want you to turn to Jeremiah, the 27th chapter of Jeremiah. If you know the setting of Jeremiah, the prophet that God raised up in Israel, Israel had sinned and turned its back on God, Judah and Israel departed from the assignment that God gave them as a nation. And because of that, he, already, he told them before this happened, Moses told them, this is the law, this is what God has raised this nation up to do, to be a witness in the earth of the one true God. That's your assignment. But if you, and you will serve him and you'll live right, you'll, you'll live holy. But if you don't, Moses told him what was going to happen. And as a matter of fact, he said, this is going to happen because in the future you are going to rebel. I can tell you this, it's going to happen. And this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to come into bondage. And you're going to be sold into slavery. And, uh, and it happened. And when it happened, judgment came and Israel was on the, on the and, and Judah were on the verge of being completely destroyed, completely wiped off the face of the earth. And God raised up a kingdom and a ruler named Nebuchadnezzar. He raised up Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar to provide safety for Israel and for Judah, to protect them during this time of correction from being destroyed so that they could get back to their place, so that they could return to their land and pick up the assignment God gave them. And uh, before I read this, hold, hold your place here. Go over to Daniel. The fifth chapter, excuse me, the second, second chapter of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2. Now Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Now Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan. Okay, he was a pagan ruler. He was not a godly man. And he had a vision, and he called on his wise men to interpret the vision, and they couldn't. And so somebody told him about Daniel. So he called for Daniel, and Daniel gave him the interpretation of his vision and of his dream. This was actually a dream. But I want to read just this little portion, verse 20, Daniel 2.20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. 
For wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. You should have noticed that it says that he removes kings and sets up kings. Did you know God is still in the business of raising up kings, taking down kings and rulers? He removes and he raises up. The reason I'm, I'm reading this, go back to Jeremiah. We were praying tonight about our nation and uh, go back over to Jeremiah 27. Is that where we were? 27. Now, God raised up Babylon, which was a, a godless culture, a godless society. And Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar was an ungodly king, an unsaved man, and not, he was a pagan. He didn't follow the principles of God. He didn't follow the Old Testament. And God raised him up to bring correction in a safe way to get Israel, to keep Israel from being completely destroyed and to provide a safe haven so that he could bring them back to their, to their land. In verse 1 it says, I'm going to read this entire chapter. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord to me, Make for yourself bonds and yokes and put them on your neck and send them to the king of Edom, the king, of, the king of Moab, the king of the Ammonites, the king of Tyre, the king of Sidon, by the hand of the messengers who come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah. Now, just jump over a little bit. We're going to come back to this, but go back, go over to verse 12. I also spoke to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words. Okay, all these words I'm about to read. He sent to these different kings, Moab and Ammonites and all. But he also said these same, same, things, these same things to the king of Judah. Okay, here's what he said. Verse 4, command them to say to their masters, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, thus you shall say to your masters, I have made the earth, the man, and the beast that are on the ground by my great power and my outstretched arm. And have given it to whom I seem, it seems proper to me. I have given my power, I, I have made man, the beast, I've made the earth, excuse me, the man and the beast that are on the ground by my power and by my outstretched arm. And I have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. And now I have given all these things into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, my servant, and the beast of the field I have also given to serve him. Notice he called Nebuchadnezzar his servant. So all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son until the time of his land comes. And then many nations and great kings shall make him serve them. 
And it shall be that the, ma- the nation and kingdom that will not serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and will not put its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation I will punish, says the Lord, with the sword, famine, pestilence, until I have consumed them by his hand. Therefore, do not listen to your prophets. I would just add the word false prophets. Do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your soothsayers, or your sorcerers who speak to you saying you shall not serve the king of Babylon. For they prophesy a lie to you to remove you far from your land and I will drive you out and you will perish. But the nations that bring their necks under the yoke of the king's king of Babylon and serve him, I will let them remain in in their land, says the Lord, and they shall till it and dwell in it. I also spoke to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and his people and live. Why will you die, you and your people, by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence, as the Lord has spoken against the nations that will not serve the king of Babylon. He's talking to, to Judah. Therefore do not listen to the words of your prophets who speak to you saying you shall not serve the king of Babylon for they prophesy a lie to you. For I have not sent them, says the Lord. Yet they prophesy a lie in my name that I may drive you out and that you may perish, you and the prophets who prophesy to you. Also I spoke to the priest and all this people saying, Thus says the Lord, do not listen to the words of your prophets who prophesy to you saying, Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house will now shortly be brought back to Babylon, from Babylon for they prophesy a lie to you. There were people in, in the land of Judah and there were false prophets saying, God's about to turn this thing around and he's going to bring us all back. He's going to take all of these things that that." Nebuchadnezzar went in and took out of the house of God all the different uh, articles from the, from the temple. He stole all that stuff and took it to Babylon. They were saying, ah, you know, we're not going to serve him because God's going to turn this thing around and all of these things are going to be brought back to Judah. He said, they prophesy a lie to you. Do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Why should this city be laid waste? But if they are prophets, and if the word of the Lord is with them, let them now make intercession to the Lord of hosts, that the vessels which are left in the house of the Lord, in the house of the king of Judah, and all Jerusalem, do not go to Babylon. He said, if if these prophets are telling the truth, if they're really being led of the Lord, let them pray and intercede that, that none of these little things that are left will be taken. For thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the pillars. He's talking about the, the things in the temple. Concerning the pillars, concerning the sea, concerning the carts, concerning the remainder of the vessels that remain in this city, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Judah, did not take when he carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, from Jerusalem to Babylon, and all the nobles of Judah in Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and of Jerusalem, They shall be carried to Babylon, and there they shall be until that day that I visit them, says the Lord. Then I will bring them up and restore them to this place. I know a lot of Christians have taken exception to our president, and they said, this man is a man of scandal. 
He's an ungodly man. He has lived a lecherous life. He speaks evil things, often says things that he ought not say. And how in the world could God be using such a man? What has happened to the United States of America, the United States, Greg talked about it earlier, God blessed this nation and called this nation to some things. God, God raised up the United States of America for a purpose. And in, in the last uh, at least 50 years, more than that, 60 or 70 years, this nation has, been, has turned its back on God and has rejected the foundations that God laid for this nation, our leaders and much of our culture, and has lost its way. But God's not finished with the United States. God still intends for the, that the United States be this bright city on a hill and a beacon of the things of God to this world. There's never been a nation since the founding of the church. There's not been a nation like the United States that championed the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, our nation was, was birthed under a... Uh, uh, our, our laws were written basically on the Bible, on principles of the Bible. But the Christian faith was established in this nation. Our, our, our founders had the wisdom to, to not have a state religion because we've seen how that's gone. There's been so much freedom in this nation and so much righteousness and so much good taught to the, to the world through this nation. But our nation has turned its back. And we, are, we have come to the brink of being destroyed. The sin and ungodliness of this nation. We're on, we have come to the brink of being taken completely away from God. Never come back again. But God raised up Donald Trump. Just as surely as he raised up this ungodly Nebuchadnezzar to restore some things in our nation to bring us back from the brink and, and people in this nation are fighting our president and they, and they rightfully point out all of, his, all of his weaknesses and all of the areas where he doesn't measure up I'm telling you he measures up no less than Nebuchadnezzar did he measures up no less than Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar was a prideful man. People say, well, Donald Trump's full of pride. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar was a prideful man. You remember what happened to him after because of his pride? He had, he had to, to, to crawl around on the ground on all fours till the hair on his head grew out and his fingernails and toenails grew out. He, he, you remember that? That happened to, to the man that God chose because of his pride, but God still chose him. God has raised up Donald Trump, who is far from a perfect man, to, to turn our nation away from its imminent destruction. Because if, if the ungodly 
doctrines and philosophies that have been guiding our political process the last few years are, are allowed to continue unchecked, it will destroy us. We now have leaders of a major, we only have two political parties in our country. The leaders of, of, of the Democratic Party have embraced such ungodliness. They champion abortion. Their followers mock God. They've endorsed killing children after they're born because if a woman was intending to abort her baby but then didn't for some reason or the abortion didn't work, then you have the right to take that live-born human being, citizen of the United States, and kill it. And I could go on and on, and you are aware of the filth, the filthy lifestyles and ungodliness that the leaders of the Democratic Party have embraced. And if we go that way, it'll be the end of our nation. It'll be the end of what we know. And God raised up Donald Trump because because the church failed to do its job. The church failed to do its job. God sent the most unlikely person. <laughs> but he's here for a reason. And as imperfect as he is, he wants the right things. He wants the right things for our nation. He wants the things that you and I all believe in as Bible-believing Christians. I'm not saying he practices all those things. I don't know what his heart is like. I don't know whether he's saved or unsaved. But I know this, he champions the things we believe in. And this is why it is so critical that we pray. And uh, hopefully this can explain to some people. Because I know there, there are a few people in our church that, that think Donald Trump is just a terrible, terrible person. And how in the world could, could, could I, I see this all the time. I see people ask, how in the world can Christians support Donald Trump who, who lives and had, or has lived, put it that way, who has lived. A life that's so opposite what they say to believe. Christians must be hypocrites. No, we're not. But God raises up men. God raises up kings and he pulls down kings. And he gives power to whomsoever he chooses. And, uh, and we're seeing it played out. The church failed. But we have an opportunity now to see God's hand and get serious about praying and being the witness and the light in this, in this nation that we're supposed to be. Because God, by his grace, is not through with our nation. Israel needs the United States.
Israel's future, Israel is, is uh, they've got some tough times ahead, according to Bible prophecy. And it's because of, of their rejection of Christ as, a, as, a, as a, a Jewish religion. So they've got some tough times ahead of them. But God has put the United States here to be the witness to this world of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the church, he's, he's given the United States as a place where the church could flourish and like Greg said, send missionaries all over the world. The United States is not the church. It's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is made up of Christians who live in the United States and live all around the world. But God has used the United States to take the gospel. And we cannot afford to lose that. We cannot afford to lose it. So, anyway, uh, we're going to continue to pray. And I'll just give you this. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. I am not the, I'm praying, but I'm not praying out of fear. And I'm not praying out of worry. I'm praying because it's, it's, it's the Spirit of God is leading me to pray. But I have absolute confidence that God is going to keep this thing on the right track. And everything the enemy's trying to do to throw off the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar is not going to work. It's not going to work. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.